Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This week's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Sign up today and get a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice from Audible.com. Big topic uh, the last few days, a lot of breaking news the last few days about the current state of higher education, the fact that the they're working on the budget right now. The state Senate wants to give a billion dollars in tax money to the UMass to the, our higher ed- education system. They want a, a major increase in spending. They were asked, well, okay, if we approve a major increase in spending, will the universities agree to not raise fees? And the answer for the universities was no. We want to keep raising fees as well. A fantastic report from the Massachusetts, uh, no, excuse me, the New England Center for Investigative Reporting. Over the past 25 years, university enrollments have grown 26%. But the ranks of full-time administrators have have risen 75% during that same period. Tuition has increased by an inflation-adjusted 85%. How to make sense of these insane numbers? Let's ask uh, Andy Ferguson, author of the hilarious book, Crazy You, One Dad's Crash Course in Getting His Kids into College. Andy, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. Great to be here, Michael. I want to ask you the big picture question. We'll work our way to the specifics from there. Is college still worth it when you've got medium colleges, not even stellar colleges, charging $40,000 a year? Well, this is a a question that social scientists are throwing back and forth. And, of course, since most social science uh, people uh, work for universities, (laughs) Uh, They're pretty much unanimous in saying that, yes, it does pay off in the long run. And to tell you the truth, as someone who's looked into the numbers as best a layman can, um, I think you're on pretty strong ground by saying uh, two people being equal, one having a college degree and another not. The one with a college degree will probably uh, make a significant amount of money more over the course of his working life. Some some estimates say it's as high as $800,000 over the course of a working life, uh, but that goes back and forth. But there's no question that there is a, a premium to having a college degree. Uh, the thing that's less uh, publicized nowadays is that that premium is going down quite markedly, in fact, over the last 10 years, so that we have a situation now where unemployment among college graduates uh, wage rates among college graduates all are um, flat. So it's, it, 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 is, it does pay off in that sense. Um, whether it's the actual degree itself that gives you that extra $800,000, or whether it's just that the system is so screwy that somebody who has that piece of paper ends up making $800,000 more, it's hard to tell which right. is which. Uh, this is what uh, the, I keep looking for is information that takes into account the background of the two people, because if you take someone from an affluent, well-educated family versus someone from, you know, a, a different background, you could take that affluent, well-educated, you know, family, young man or woman, and they're probably going to outperform the the other person regardless of their college experience. Right. And, and this is where the social scientists uh, start to dispute one another is how do you control, <laughs> as they put it, how do you control for things uh like uh, socioeconomic background, mm-hmm. uh, race, uh, gender, uh, geographic location, all that kind of stuff. And, it, you know, the thing is that if you're a person who has a successful working life, 
um, and you happen to have a college uh, degree in your pocket, well, there's lots of things that go into being a successful person in a working life. It could be, you know, you have good personal habits. Sure. You don't drink too much. You show up to work on time. Okay, none of and, those are me, Andrew, so can you keep yeah, going? Exactly. Find, I'm sorry, I didn't find something to... for me. Well, no wonder you're not going to make that extra $800,000, <laughs> I guess. Um, so but you're... anyway, so, so there's a whole constellation mm-hmm. of things that factors that go into the, this success that's measured by the extra income that you make over a lifetime. It just doesn't seem reasonable that it's the degree itself that causes uh, that success. Now, let's, so set aside, let's set aside that conversation, which is a great conversation, because I want to get to another one, and it, it, you dealt with this somewhat directly in your book, Crazy You, which is the strangeness of the rise of the cost of college, given that the raw material of a university education is far less expensive today than it was 25 years ago. Books, you, know, you used to have to have textbooks. They so had to be updated regularly because new information meant new books and on and on and on. The, uh, you know, getting information, you had, to keep, you had to stock a library to have a college work. Now you don't need books or libraries. You need one Kindle per kid, and you're just done. It's easier than ever to get information. It's easier than ever to get access to people with information. You don't have to hire the best professor in the world. You can get that professor to talk into a you know video recorder or to do a, a Skype, and you've got him wherever you want him. And yet, during that same period, Andrew, the costs of uh, the administrative costs of college and universities have exploded. Here in Massachusetts alone, the administrative costs have risen sixty some percent uh, in real terms above inflation. Yeah, I, I think that's a stunning statistic, and it really does conform to um, what, what I saw around the country from one state to another. And this is even worse by some measures in among private schools. Um, what's really going on here is it, 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 it's the, there's this huge layer of fat that has been laid in in the college administrative structure over the last 30 years um, that has been financed by largely by student loans by that, that allow a college to raise the price of its tuition. Um, and then the, the college, of course, gets that money up front. They get right. that from the student. They get that money, and they can spend it however they want. But it's not just personnel. You know, it's also there's some stuff that a lot of stuff, in fact, that, that um, students say that they want. You know, I don't know how many of these campuses you've been to, but you go to these these, what used to be, you know, the mystery meat cafeteria right. uh, now, and you go there, and it's a food court, and they've got, like, some of these places that have wood-burning pizza ovens. What? They have sushi bars. And then you go to the gym, and there's, you know, huge hot tubs and rock-climbing walls and all right. that stuff. So a lot of that stuff is being factored into these extra administrative costs. Let me read something to you from, literally, from today's Boston Herald from a columnist, a friend of mine. The fitness center at once dumpy Providence College, for example, now looks like something out of an Olympic village. The push to buy local means Tufts University has served sustainable wild Alaskan salmon and 100% cage-free local eggs. Even UMass Amherst is not immune. The cafes stay open till midnight, featuring panini bars and gold rush tomato fennel soup. I don't know if I'd want to eat that myself. But, um, <laughs> I, then again, I'm not a student anymore. But uh, you know th- that the colleges say, "Well, look, this is this is we are a market. We are in an education market. This right. is what the people want." But when you really stand back and look at it, what this is is a sign of um, you know a spendthrift culture, a culture that right. has more money than it knows what to do with, and has no incentive to economize. And the reason for that is. The vast 
availability of easy cash. And as I say, that you know, a lot of this is going to be borne by the taxpayer because the colleges come, they take the money up front, and whether the kid gets educated or not is not part of the college's concern. I think that one normally in an economic system, what happened when you had this much bloating of the bureaucracy of the management uh, is that competitors would step in and say, "Well, we're going to cut." Right. the p- price and give you the same product for a lower price but there is no price pressure because no, there's no there's this, no price pressure because it's it's the you know it's with the, the third party payer problem exactly. economist and then you also it. have the issue that there's uh, demand pressure for all the wrong reasons i go into a burger place to buy a burger because i'm hungry but parents are pushing students who aren't hungry at all for the college experience. They have no interest in the college experience, and they're pushing them to attend anyway just so mom and dad won't be embarrassed when they're at the country club and someone says, where's your son going to school? Right. Well, that's partly, but that's partly also a function of this $800,000 figure that we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. The question is, is one of the reasons this, this you know, extra amount of money you make over a lifetime because of your college degree that figure is going down. Is it because so many people are now getting degrees that it's kind of it, that it's cutting into the to the premium that it sure. makes it actually less valuable? That would make perfect economic sense. But well, a lot of what's left out of this discussion, and I, and I saw this a lot in uh, researching uh, my book, is that very few people are even sociologists and certainly government administrators are taking into account the people who take on this debt load, enroll in college because everybody tells them right. that's what they got to do, and they simply don't make it through the four years, or the six years, or the eight years, for that matter. Um, the dropout rates are incredible now. They're yep. at least 50%, probably higher. And these are people who have, because they've been told that this is the thing to do, have taken out thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 for a good that they're never going to be able to take advantage of. It's really it's really kind of criminal and disgusting when you think about it. It absolutely is. We're talking to Andrew Ferguson. His book is Crazy You, One Dad's Crash Course in Getting His Kid into College. And it just bothers me that the, e- the ego of parents results in hurting their kids as the kids go sit in classes that they never cared about load up, like you said, this debt, and then after 18 months of faking it, they finally go, I'm not going to class. I don't even show up. I drop out. And now they're stuck with debt that accomplishes nothing. And then, Andrew, there's the other side. The kids who do care are forced with higher, are faced with higher costs because of the fake demand. And then they have to sit in the class with the dopes that the teacher's trying to dumb down because the whole goal of the system is to keep your kid there and to keep that uh, uh, that uh, student loan check coming in. They don't want to kick anybody out. They want you to stay in class. Oh, absolutely. And here, and here's here's part of the kicker. There is no way to find out whether these kids are learning anything. Not just mm-hmm. the dropouts, but the one who actually who actually get a degree. A lot of the schools know how much the kids uh, are learning because they there's a, uh, a, a kind of a what is called a survey, national survey that schools are allowed to take of their kids in their freshman year and their senior year that will give them a sense of how much they've learned. But that's proprietary information, and the schools won't release it, and the Department of Education can't make them release it. So these schools are sitting on information that might be able to help people make a rational, market-based judgment on, on how valuable this education is, and they ain't telling anybody. And that suggests to me that not much learning is going on. 
Uh, Andrew, your the process of writing Crazy You, what was your most memorable experience going from campus to campus with your son? Uh, well, I think um, one moment that stands out, I think, is right there in your backyard. Uh, my son had no desire to go to Harvard, uh, but I made him go anyway just because we were, <laughs> for a laugh, we were going to do it for the book. And so uh, we went and we got the standard tour, you know, and all the eager parents are there. And, and the, our little guide says, here, come into the statue of John Harvard. You see how his toe is, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's yeah. all been burnished. It's polished uh, just from people coming and sort of rubbing, rubbing it as a good luck charm. He said, people come from all over uh, the world to come and rub John Harvard's <laughs> toe. And, you know, we have, that's kind of an old tradition, but what we have now is a newer tradition. We here at Harvard is, at night, we go pee on it. Really? And this is while half a dozen parents are lining up, waiting to rub it. The guy, <laughs> I thought, you know, if this isn't just the, the Harvard mentality <laughs> in microcosm, they want us all to rub it, and they're peeing on it. Right. Well, because we are lucky to come in contact with their urine, Andy. Don't you understand? They're <laughs> so much be. better. Than, in fact, you know what I do? I go to Harvard because I live here in the Boston area, and I regularly just ask people to urinate on me. If you just would just please, just if I could just be near your bodily fluids, I would it's be such a like, better yeah, person. It's, it's a weird kind of osmosis, but I'm sure they think it works. <laughs> Andrew Ferguson, thanks so much for your time and for the great book, Crazy You. It's a really, really, uh, really good stuff. Well, great. Thanks a lot for having me, Michael. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Standard podcast. Please check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. And thanks to audible.com for their special offer, a 30-day free trial and a free audiobook of your choice. Be sure to check out the special offer from audible.com. I'm your host, Michael Graham.